Welcome to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers-Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. This week, we're brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. Who do we have on the show today? Today we have Sarah Vitale, Professor of Philosophy at Ball State University and Chair of Muncie Resists. We're supported today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Who and what do they have coming up? A special virtual program. A special one? Why is it special? Well, because it has Mayor Dan Reidenauer as the presenter. Muncie Mayor Dan Reidenauer. Yes. Doing a presentation for Schaefer Leadership Academy? Absolutely. It's, It's Thursday, July 22nd from 1030 to noon. Well, what is Mayor Dan going to be talking about? He is going to be talking about an apple a day, a leader's daily discipline with Mayor Reidenauer. What's that mean? How do you become a great leader? No clue. Well, you have to practice. Oh, okay. There you go. Join Mayor Dan Reidenauer as he gives you a sneak peek into his daily routine. Mayor Reidenauer explains why he feels that having a daily routine helps him be a good leader in the community. Participants will have a chance to reflect on how they can build discipline and routine into their daily lives to grow as a leader. So when is Mayor Dan doing this? He's doing this Thursday, July 22nd from 1030 to 12. And it's all virtual, so you can show up on your computer. Very good. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Sarah Vitale, Professor of Philosophy at Ball State University and the Chair of Muncie Resists. Welcome! Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. No problem. So I don't know that much about you. Tell me, are you a Munsonian or are you from someplace else? I think I might be a Munsonian now. Okay. How many years does it take? (laughs) But I think that my family in upstate New York would get a little upset to hear that (laughs) from me. I just bought my first Muncie shirt, though, at the Muncie Map Co. Oh, yeah? Which one did you get? The Purple Hippo? No, the black one with the the state on it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Original. No, I'm from Auburn, New York in the Finger Lakes area. Okay. And all my family is up there, my siblings, my parents. And I did my PhD at Villanova in Philly, so I lived there for eight years. And then I've been here for seven. Now, how did you find Muncie through all that? Uh, very carefully. <laughs> I, I found, well, I did a national search. So when I finished my PhD, you know, at the end, while I was writing, I went on the market and I applied to th- so many schools, probably 40 some around the country. And this is where I landed. And I was fortunate enough to get a tenure track position. Um, and actually, I just got tenure and I just found out. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's a major relief and it feels good. And Muncie has become home. So, you know, I think I have two homes now. I'm comfortable. I go home. I'll probably go spend a month in upstate New York this summer. Um, and then with the flexibility of my job, I can go there sometimes. But I'm here. And, you know, once you're in a place, you might as well dig your heels in and, and invest yourself. 
Tell us about the job there at Ball State University. So teaching philosophy is a lot of getting people to ask the big questions that they might already be asking. So I like to think that everyone is already a philosopher. Everyone is already doing philosophy, um, especially when they're younger. You ask why, you want to figure out the purpose of life, um, et cetera. And we don't have a grad program, and we teach a lot of the core education classes. So I teach a lot of students from the business college, from the TCOM college from all over the place, and they're taking this for a requirement. They might never take more philosophy. And so my goal is for during the week to have them have a few hours outside the rest of their life where they're asking the questions about the rest of their life and they're really interrogating it and thinking. And then when it comes to my majors, and we have some, you know, majors obviously, and I teach upper level classes with them, then we are, you know, asking bigger questions. Well, not even bigger questions, but we're focusing more into various topics. And I teach existentialism and critical theory. I teach a class about institutions and society. Um, And then I teach a lot of Philosophy 100. So is philosophy, is that something you wanted to teach that? Was that something that was like one of your passions and dreams? Or did you just, did you find it along the way? I think a mix of both. Okay. So when I went to college, I started studying English. And then um, the summer before my soft before my junior year, I went to Guatemala on this class, and it was it was amazing. It was $300, and that got the credits, the trip, the plane, the wow. everything. That is something. Yeah. And so we went there and studied, I think maybe there were 15 of us, and the class was called The World of the Other, and it was a class about globalization, looking at it from the perspective of people in low-income countries. And it blew my mind. And I thought, wow, there are all of these. I'd been interested in social justice and, and questions about equality, but the text that we read then started to give me a framework to understand um, how it's all connected around the world and how our, our lives and positions are really tied up with each other. And then I just wanted more. So I got back to Lemoyne College, a small college in upstate New York where I was studying my undergraduate, and added a philosophy major. And then after I graduated, it wasn't that I thought, oh, I want to be a professor. I thought, I'm not done. This type of study, I want to continue. And so I worked for a year in an international development organization because I was not ready to apply for college for grad school while I was still a senior and I did I got to travel and that was really interesting but I really wanted to hit the books again Um, so that's like the the nerd in me here and I went to Villanova and then when part of our assistantship is to teach and I discovered I loved it I love being in the classroom it's what gives me a lot of energy Um, more so probably than the publishing element of it though Mm -hmm. that is important so you're the chair of Muncie Resist Tell us about that organization. So it was formed in 2016 um, as an indivisible group. So indivisible is this large nationwide movement that was started by former um, White House, Washington, D.C. staffers and aides who wanted to, to push back against the Trump regime. And a couple of faculty at Ball State started it. It had a lot of people for the first couple of meetings. People were very energized. And then those folks, for various reasons, stepped down. And a few of us said, well, we're going to keep this going. And then ultimately, we started having elected um, offices. So I've been the chair, I think, for about three years now. And what Muncie Resist does is it works at the local and state level and sometimes tapping into federal issues to amplify progressive voices. So the things that we're most 
most proud of is we have a primary series before um, during before the primary of every election. We've done this for a few years now where it's on the Democratic ticket and we invite all Democrats to take a pretty comprehensive survey and we share that results uh, with voters. And then we have forums where they speak. And we think this is something pretty unique to a city of our size, that we're giving voters real um, information on candidates before the primary. And often that's just name recognition or signs in the yard. Mm -hmm. And then we do a lot of educational events. So we've had a teach-in about climate change, one that we partnered with Race Muncie on Black Lives Matter. We've done one on the Affordable Care Act. Um, We've done them on reproductive rights on a host of issues. How has the reception been? Mixed. But on the whole, I think that it's been really positive. So we have an enormous email list. And so recently after the um, after the murder of George Floyd, um, we started distributing Black Lives Matter signs. So we raised money and we distributed hundreds and hundreds of them throughout the city. And so I think people were excited that we were doing that. And then if there's a national issue that pops up, people will contact us and say, are you putting on an event? Are you doing something with this? So I think it's been really positive on the whole, and we've had good, well-attended events. I think sometimes people wonder about the the name Muncie Resists. They'll ask us what we're resisting. And I think there's a lot to resist. You know, I think that we live in a world where some people's lives are marked by oppression and marked by disadvantage and and things we don't start off equally and that's what I want to to resist and then I also want to promote things and so that's why we say we amplify progressive voices so it's not just an act of resistance right how would somebody join the group or become part of the organization we have meetings on the second and fourth wednesday of every month at 6 15 we're doing it on zoom but i think in september we're going to go back in person and then we also have and so you can find the zoom the zoom link on our facebook page or you can um, sign up for our on our email list uh, via the facebook page or our website muncieresist.org and then we have every we started this during the pandemic every monday at five we have solidarity sips which is a a cocktail hour happy hour on zoom and we just had our first in-person one at Tui Park not Tui Park at Westside Park recently so people could gather together a little and those are just opportunities for people to you know meet others and have a little bit of camaraderie during the pandemic over the past year I've noticed you and Jason Donati and a few other folks uh doing a a zoom every week what's that called Drinking with Dems. Yes. Now, is it weekly? Yes. Okay. okay. And now I'm feeling like I had solidarity sips and drinking with Dems. I <laughs> you think... like the alliteration, huh? Yeah. Good. We'll focus on the I alliteration too, part right? of that, not <laughs> the alcohol not the part. part. I was just yeah. thinking you like to drink there. But... Yeah, exactly. I think my, <laughs> mother, both my mother is worried. <laughs> we often, during drinking with Dems, will be drinking soda or tea or water. <laughs> um, so it's inclusive. Before, Jason and I and some other Democrats around the city joined together in oh, 2019, in the right after the elections, the municipal elections where Democrats lost a lot. And we got together and said, well, why is this happening? It used to be a pretty Democratic city. What's going on? So we started having conversations. We ended up forming this group called the New Democratic Coalition. And that group meets monthly. You can come to those meetings as well. There's lots of meetings. I'm always in a meeting. Um, but we thought, well, what's a way to connect with people throughout the pandemic? So, you know, before we were at the Fickle Peach having conversations. And then we thought, well, let's 
you know, get people online and let's give people some of these conversations online digitally throughout the pandemic. And we have, we've worked it, now it's getting a little bit more focused. You know, usually one day a month we focus on an issue that affects people in Muncie and East Central Indiana. One week a month we focus on an organization and then we focus on a person within the Democratic Party. So that could be somebody at the state level or the local level. And then um, sometimes an elected official or somebody in a position of government. And it's a fun way to talk about issues and and help people understand. Right now, we're really pushing to recruit people to run for precinct committee person, which is the grassroots level of both the Democrat and the Republican parties. And often people don't know what that is. And it's like a neighborhood. Yeah, I'm about ready to ask. What, what do yeah, they do? I don't do? know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's a neighborhood leader. So a precinct is a little bigger than a neighborhood. And the people who are precinct committee folks are the members of the party at the county level, both in the Democratic and the Republican parties. And they vote for the county chair, who in turn votes for the district chairs, who in turn votes for the state party chairs. But also, and this has happened a couple times recently, um, when an elected official steps down in the middle of their term, the party of that elected official chooses the replacement. So um, city councilwoman Rose Selvey was recently chosen that way. And what happens is the people who are precinct committee people in that district, or if it's all across the city at large, those precinct committee people go to their headquarters and vote. So that person is chosen by those folks, not by the voters. Now, the voters choose the precinct committee people every four years in the primary. However, if you don't vote for somebody or if nobody runs in your precinct, the county chair can appoint someone. And mostly they're people appointed by the county chair. And I think that is not ideal. That person doesn't have to live in the neighborhood. Uh, That person can be kind of handpicked by someone. And so we think, you know, get out there, run for precinct committee person in both both sides of the aisle. Yeah, get representation from within the community and from your your neighbors and all of that. Yeah, and I think that that helps the parties be more representative of the actual people who are in them in the city. And then when somebody's running for office and you call up somebody who lives in Precinct 18 or Precinct 23 or 3 or 5 and you say to the Precinct Committee person, will you want to walk with me while I'm there? Because you know, you know what houses to hit and you know. So it's a good way for elected officials to or for candidates to connect. So what other things are you involved in? So this another thing I'm really excited about is the Philosophy Outreach Project. So a few years ago, I was mentoring um, a student at at Muncie Central through project leadership. And I just I just got in here and I was doing a club for philosophy students at Ball State and I became interested in, well, what does philosophy happen in high schools? Is this a thing? And the answer is not really. <laughs> so uh, we did a survey of oh, a ton of schools throughout the state and we found that like seven or eight had either a philosophy class or a club. And usually those are more affluent districts. So we thought, well, let's go see those, see what's going on. And anyway... Um, long story, a little bit shorter. We ended up creating a club at Muncie Central that's been going for three years. And we have an annual conference that high school students from around the state are invited to. And since it was digital this year, um, students from around the country came. And so, yeah, so that was exciting. And then we go to site visits at various high schools. And we have a website, philosophyoutreachproject.bsu.edu. We have a Facebook page, a lot of social media. And the goal is to 
promote, because like I said earlier, I think everyone does philosophy. And I think that younger people are sometimes more prone to it or more open. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get them asking these big questions, then um, I think it helps them make decisions later in life and, and look at what they really want. I was going to say, that seems like the perfect age, uh, right around 16 to 18, that you have the big questions. They start to come come to you. Yeah. From listening to this, I've learned that you have a teenager. So you probably oh, yes. <laughs> um, know about that. We have <laughs> had some conversations. Yeah. 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 But I like it because I love seeing how teenagers, I am the resident teenage whisperer. I love yes. teenagers. <laughs> uh, seven, I talk to them 10 and under. <laughs> Seven-year-olds are trying to kill me right now. But teenagers are my sweet spot. And I love talking to them because they just it's fun to see how their mind works and like what they're thinking about and what their big questions are and stuff like that and just seeing them as they grow and how their how their brain shifts and changes and the things they believe or don't believe changes I don't know I really like that so it's me pretty too groovy. I have seven nieces and nephews and five are teenagers now oh wow um and so I'm, I'm not going to disparage the ones in their 20s they're still fabulous <laughs> but um it's fun to have all of these teenagers and the questions and three of them came no, four of them came to my conference nice. because it was remote and so in, from upstate New York. Any other organizations or anything else you're doing? I'm, I figure you're running out of time at this point. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> you seem I, awfully busy. Yeah. I, I am pretty busy. So politically, I do the um, you know, monthly resist, and then I also have been working with this woman, Destiny Wells, to put on events at the state level. So we've done one on called Visions for the Democratic Party. We did another called Meet the Party Chair, where after the new state chair was announced, we had a moderated conversation with him. And then we're doing one in July um, called the Roundtable. It's the first event in a Democratic Women's Series. So that stuff I really enjoy. I enjoy facilitating, like you, like I enjoy facilitating conversations mm -hmm. and, and getting people together and hearing from different voices. And then it, professionally, I'm involved in a group called the Radical Philosophy Association. That shouldn't be surprising since we have uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, resists and radical. Um, and that's a, a national organization that has a meeting every two years. And so I'm, you know, invested in that. And then I just try to hang out with my friends <laughs> and uh, do some social things. Okay. So what do you like to do for fun? Well, I think I like to I feel like I like to hang out with my friends on my porch or at the peach and have conversations. So I think this is part of my life, right? Oh, yeah. So I teach philosophy, I do politics, and then I talk. So a lot, a lot of my um, my activities are pretty conversation based. I do yoga? I like to do we, with my mom over COVID. We started doing yoga with Adrian. On have you done it before? I've done it before. I always start her thirty day series and I make it to like day seven and then I quit. You just don't have to do it in thirty days. <laughs> That's you can true. take ninety days to I do it <laughs> so she and I do yoga with Adrian almost every day and we FaceTime while we do it oh that's cool so that's like a sweet that. way to keep in touch with her and I walk a lot in the neighborhood with friends so those are the types of things so tell me something that's on your bucket list well I have been to 23 countries okay so I'm kind of excited about that because it's when you you know start to get over 10, you're like, oh, look at maybe I can hit them all. Impossible, 193. <laughs> um, but I want to hit a few more. I've never been to Asia. I think that would be really interesting. And I have done not enough travel in the United States. So there are areas of the U.S. I haven't been to at all. So I would like to start rectifying that. And so I think travel is a lot of my bucket list. 
Um, I think that I would like to be more involved in the Democratic Party, so I want to do other things in there. So, And, you know, with my career, I want to take the Philosophy Outreach Project to different levels. But in terms of fun things, um, travel. Now, how'd you go to 23, 23 countries? So... A lot of them were just really fortunate situations. So I told you about when I went to Guatemala and Mm it was $300 and put on by my college. Well, when I was in high school, I went on an exchange program to the Republic of Georgia in the former Soviet Union and Russia, and it was funded by the U.S. State Department. Nice. So free for me. And so we went there for a month, and then we had Georgian students come here for a month. And I've been to Sicily. My father's Sicilian, and so he came over when he was seven. So I've been there a handful of times. And then when I graduated college, I worked for a year in this international literacy organization where I promoted adult literacy programs, raised money, et cetera. And I went on two trips, and in those two trips, I hit six African countries. Holy cow. So I was all over the place. Yeah. So that's so, and that was also free for me. So a lot of my international travel has been um, through a lot of fortunate circumstances. And then the older I get and save up some money i you know go on my own travels nice wait how can we get into this free international travel husband? Uh, apparently <laughs> you have to do whatever we're not doing so. <laughs> that's okay so how would you describe your purpose in life I like this question. So when I teach existentialism, the existentialists talk about how there is no pre-given purpose. There's no, in a lot of them, it gets kind of dark, right? Students are like, well, there's no point. And, and they're also college students or, or high school students are at this great point for this angsty kind of emo philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talk about how you can create your own. You give meaning to your life. And so the ways that I feel that I give meaning to my life are kind of twofold. One is I'm very committed to my family. And so I feel a little strange being 10 hours away from them, um, but I'm also committed to my career, I suppose. But I see them a lot, and I talk to my nieces and nephews, and I want to be a good role model and support for them. But the other one is through activism, I want them to be able to say, and a friend of mine said this once to me, he said, I want my grandchildren to be able to say he was part of the resistance. And I agree with that to an extent. I want my nieces and nephews to know that I fought to make a world that was better for them. So that, um, and I want their children to be able to say that. And no, she wasn't just sitting around. She was doing things because she was committed to leaving the world better than she found it. And now I don't have any um, presumptions that I'm going to make extraordinary difference but I feel like you get 70 80 90 years if you're lucky on this earth and so you might as well use some of that time to improving conditions and now it's time for the lightning round quick questions and quick answers the number one question what's your favorite band or artist I love Paul Simon and Paul Simon yeah okay right. so I listen to a lot of Paul Simon so I think he would be my favorite Leonard Cohen um, but now I listen to a lot of Lizzo too so I think that my tastes are a little bit diverse okay <laughs> Are you an early bird or a night owl? So I like to take the Goldilocks approach here and say, oh, right in the middle. (laughs) I am neither of those. I'm really good in the middle of the day. So you guys are getting me right now at prime time. And early in the morning or late at night, no. This is why I schedule interviews at 2 o'clock because I am better during the middle of the day. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. So these answers, I was like, who wants to be good in the early morning or the late night? Not me. (laughs) (laughs) This one? Yes. What's your favorite book? I loved Everything is Illuminated by Jonathan Safran Foer and also Sula by Toni Morrison. 
Have you ever met anyone famous? Yes. So my cousins made a movie a few years ago. And when they were, well, a few, like 20 some years ago, probably. <laughs> Just a few. I was 15. So time flies. And Steve Zahn was in it. And he was in That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. And so he ate pasta at my parents' house. Oh. And then I have also met Hillary Clinton. So I was a senior in high school or somewhat in high school, and she was a senator in New York. And I was in this organization, I'm a little embarrassed to say, I shouldn't be, called the like National History Players. And so we would dress up in the outfits of the, of the suffragists because they're from upstate New York. So we would wear these outfits, and we were at the Harriet Tubman site, at the Harriet Tubman Park, and she came to speak, and she told us we looked beautiful in our dresses, and I was delighted by that. Lovely. I like that. Quick side note. Tell me about your cousin that worked in movies. Yes. So they made a movie called Freak Talks About Sex. I don't know if that's allowed on the air. Absolutely. Sure. It's a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And it was bought by Cinemax, but it's not like a Skinemax. It's about um, people in... Living in Syracuse, working at the mall after college, trying to figure out their lives. And so Josh Hamilton was in it as well. And it was such fun at at 15 to be around all these folks and to be an extra. We walked in the the mall, and so we were on the... On the Can show. You see you in the background yeah, yeah. and stuff. Awesome. So I watched it again, I think maybe to celebrate the 20th anniversary recently, and it was a lot of fun. And then, especially when we saw that point. So I think that gave me some popularity points in high school, too. Yeah. What's your guilty pleasure? Is it drinking? No, <laughs> <laughs> I know, Solidary Sips, drinking with them. <laughs> Television. Television. So I think that a lot of people, I know all these people who say, oh, I don't have a TV. And I feel like that answer is very irritating because you can still watch it on your internet. Like most of us watch like TV online. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have cable. Okay, that's fine. It's the 21st century. But there's so many good shows. And so if I want to really turn off and relax and not think, it is television. And um, and sometimes it's shows that are a little bit more guilty pleasures than, than not. Now, are we talking trashy television like uh, Bravo Network, stuff like that? No, or I don't. Or are you talking more uh, serials? Yeah, serials. Okay. So I'm. I think so. At one point during COVID, I thought I had finished Netflix. We said that too. <laughs> I've gotten to the end of Netflix. There's nothing else available. <laughs> but then I posted on on Facebook and asked people, and they gave me good uh, oh, well, recommendations. Good. So then, but I started watching this show called Borgen or Born. I think it's pronounced. It's Danish. Okay. So I started watching that. I started watching an Israeli show called Shtisel. So I think that I'm just moving outside of U.S. TV shows because I've watched so many of them. But they're fun. I learn new words. Interesting. Fun fact about Matt. When I first met him, he... Did not have, he had a TV. But, I had a TV, but, but we it was watched, not hooked up to anything. Yeah, we watched like DVDs or VHS tapes because that was a long time ago. And it's 2006. When we, when we got married and I moved in, one of our biggest fights we've ever had was that I wanted cable or some kind of internet, some kind of television source. So Matt was one of those people. He was one of those people. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had yeah. to the point where I was like, eh. I don't need it. He would still be one of those people if I wasn't around. Now, yeah. since you're around, have you adapted and do you watch any shows together? Oh, yeah. We watch. Yes. Okay. Well, pretty much all of them. We watch for... shows together. But here's the thing. Matt Howell will not binge watch no. TV. You know, you sit down and watch like hours of a show. No, no, no. We watch one episode. 
And then we have to turn it off. And or then, go to a Or go to a different show. show or whatever. And then watch one episode of that. I and think I might need somebody like Matt in my life. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that sometimes I have to stop myself yeah. from the, the binge cycle. Well, Matt Howell is the TV buzzkill. So, okay. <laughs> so maybe I don't need go. that. What's your favorite movie? The Godfather. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, you know, I'm half Sicilian American. And that is, it's beautiful. The scenes in Sicily. So, yes. What's your hidden talent? So I don't think I have any hidden talents because I think that anything I think I'm good at, I want to use. And But I have a tendency to avoid things I'm not good at. So this is a, a, a flaw. So recently I bought a bocce set because I'm going to get good at it. I decided because usually I avoid like yard games and coordination activities mm-hmm. uh, because I am not very coordinated. But I thought I'm going to buy this. I'm going to practice it in my yard. So, so far I've practiced once. Well, actually played some friends came over. So I'm going to develop a new not so hidden talent because I'll tell everybody about it once I'm good at bocce. Very good. I agree. I don't, if I'm not good at something right away, I don't want to do it. I know. I think because well, that's not fun. Who exactly. It? And it's fun once you're good at it, but you have to practice right. to get there. And I don't want to practice. It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> do you sing in the shower? Yes. Okay. This morning it was Shanae O'Connor. Oh, that's always good. Nothing compares to exactly. you or something yeah. else. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good one. Now, how about the car? Today, it was also her because then I got in a little bit of a rut. You're listening to her and then listen to that song and then the last day of our acquaintance. Oh, okay. So that album. Okay. Yes. And also when people are in the car. Um, and they don't always love that. Hey, whatever. It's your car. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. So while I might be a nerd in my academic pursuits, I am the, this kind of culture is something I've never tapped into. See, I thought you'd totally be a Star Trek fan. So. Well, so I have a colleague who told me I would like it because it's this kind of utopian society. And she's like, this is great for your political interests and your philosophical interests. So maybe one day, well, and I, you know, need more TV. So well, yeah, maybe I should. When you get I to should. the end of Netflix. Exactly. Like, next show. <laughs> exactly. What's your most used emoji on your phone? This is boring. It's a smiley face. It's smiley faces all the time. Um, and so I think that, you know, in text speak, we try to soften something or show that we're, you know, ask a question or make a statement, then do a smiley face. There might be a gendered element to that, too. Maybe a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah. So what's your philosophy on life? This is a question you get as a philosopher <laughs> all the time. I'd say, look before you leap. <laughs> a bird That's in the awesome. hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> Very good, very good. Good advice. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate you coming in. This was a delight. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. Bye. Bye. So the stats are against me. And what I mean there is I'll probably die first. I'm a male. I'm a white male in America. Well, probably. And you're five years older than me. So you'll probably die before me. Now, if if by chance you would die before me, you have already thought about this. Oh, yes. I'm going to haunt you for sure. She's going to haunt me. <laughs> now, more than likely, I'll die first. But if, well, if, if you have this horrific accident that exactly. takes you out. It takes me out. I'm coming back. You can't get rid of me. You're going to haunt me. And I will know it's you because you are going to say something yes. that we have established. Yes, we have a secret code. Yes. <laughs> A secret, a secret code. For our family. So I get out the Ouija board, and if it spells this word, I know, ah, Yeah, you it's know it's Angie. me. Or if you go to, like, a psychic because you miss me so much, you just must communicate with the other side or whatever. I must find out your last moments on the earth because 
there is some some question about them. Exactly. Or maybe you just I go to the so psychic. Much. You go to the psychic. And the psychic will tell me, I am getting this word in yes, my brain. Yes, but it has to be this word. That way you'll know it's me and it's not just some psychic being like, oh, I, I feel like a woman is trying to come through or whatever. <laughs> no, they have to come out with the word that is our secret word that I'm not going to tell on the air because that would give away my secret word. Exactly. So we're <laughs> going to... Uh, say the secret word is hamburger. Yes. It is not hamburger. It's not but, hamburger. But we are going to say the word is hamburger. Right. So, And the reason we have this word is if you get on my nerves, I say this word, and that is a signal to you that you have to stop. Exactly. So if you are poking me with your finger. Because, you know, I love, I love, you people don't know this, but I love to just sit in the car and, and like poke them in the, jit, in the cheek. <laughs> and I have to say hamburger. Yes. And, and she stops. And now. I stop. That's the rule. Now, we kind of created this. It's kind of like a family safe word kind of yes. situation because, you know, we're a blended family. And so we're all trying to, like, get used to each other's personalities. And my my show of love, mockery, is my love language. So mockery. <laughs> mockery. Yes. Is or, that what you call it? <laughs> or sarcasm. Or I don't know. Like, my kind, my family, if we're picking on you, that means we like you. And if we're not picking on you, we're just leaving you alone. Not so sure about that. So <laughs> now, like, I didn't want anybody's feelings to get hurt or them mm-hmm. not to be able to say, like, hey, you're really getting on my nerves. Will you please quit? So I was like, all right, dudes, we have a family safe word. If anybody, your brother, your sister, me, dad, whoever, is getting on your nerves and you just want to, like, punch somebody in the face, all you have to say is... Hamburger. Insert code word here. That is not hamburger. <laughs> right. But all you have to do is say hamburger and the other person has to stop no matter what. Like, I don't care what you're doing. The other person has to stop. You got hamburgered. You got to stop. And so, yes, when I'm in front of the medium who is giving me the reading. Exactly. She better say or he or they or whoever better say hamburger or you're not. You know, it's not me. Okay. Yeah. I wonder what they're going to say after hamburger, like how you died. I don't know, but they're just going to say, you know what, (laughs) for some reason, this is going to sound really weird, but I'm getting like hamburger is coming through for some reason. Does that hold any significance? And then you'll be like, why? Yes, it does. (laughs) She's communicating (laughs) with me from the other side. It is definitely Angie. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Or, you know, when I randomly start turning off lights at home, um, I can shout out hamburger and you'll stop. I can't promise that the rules, same rules apply as a ghost. I, I think they should. I, I, I can't <laughs> tell you what the rules are in the afterlife. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you have a comment about the show or something you want to share with us, call or text 765-233-2640. That's 765-233-2640. We might just use it on the show. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at SchaeferLeadership.com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week and find out who has gone. Gone boss.